Hi there, and thanks for joining us on Teaching Together, the Complete Mathematics Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk through a single objective in detail in order to make our teaching of a chosen idea more impactful. I'm Dave Taylor, and I'm here with my Complete Mathematics colleague, Johnny Hall. Hello. And friend of Teaching Together, Karen Hancock. Hello. What are we looking at today, Karen? We're looking at estimating the mean from group frequency tables. And you can download this slide deck of tasks for this objective from completemaths.com forward slash podcast. Today's objective is from stage nine, unit eight of the complete mathematics curriculum. You can access this objective and the whole curriculum made up of over 1,800 objectives at completemaths.com for free. So without further ado, let's dive into teach, do, practice, behave with estimating the mean of group data. Before we teach pupils a new idea, there is one important question to consider. Are we doing the right maths at the right level? We can check that we're doing the right maths by assessing prerequisite knowledge. What is that knowledge for this objective, Johnny? Okay, so uh, mean from group data, the obvious prerequisite is mean from non-group data. And if you've got your pupils successful with that particular objective, then much of this objective will be covered by that. I guess the only really additional new thing is the, is the ability to find the midpoint between, between two values, because essentially that's the only new bit of maths that a pupil will need to be able to do to go from mean from, from non-group data to, to mean from group data. And I'm guessing that for the first part, we can just use the task that's on slide three, calculating the mean of, of non-group data from a frequency table. And I'm yeah. going to guess, Johnny, that um, you're going to use uh, mini whiteboards to try and do the, the midpoint stuff. How did you guess, Dave? It just always seems to be the case. <laughs> yeah. I do like on that slide that you've put, you put, you put um, if you look on the slide three, question C is going sort of horizontally along because we're all used to seeing them going straight down, the vertical ones, but how often do we show pupils the, the horizontal ones as well? I, I'm guilty that I don't show them anywhere near enough, so I think that's quite a nice touch there, Dave. And when we're confident that pupils are ready to learn a new idea, we're ready to teach. In the teach phase, the idea is entirely novel to pupils, though only just beyond their current level of understanding. The teacher shares key facts and uses metaphor and model to add and describe so that pupils can meaning make and form connections with their current schema. So, Karen, we've roped you into this podcast because I'm told that you've got a great idea for introducing this. Can you talk us through okay. it? Yeah, certainly. Absolutely. Um, so I use um, what I class as an envelope lesson. Um, so you will need um, 10 envelopes. Um, you'll need some blue tack and you'll need two or three bits of paper per student, depending on how big your class is. Um, and so before the lesson, um, you want to have prepared the groups for your group frequency table and written them on the front of the envelopes. So I would normally use uh, A5 envelopes, something big enough that when you loop at them on the board, it starts to create your group frequency table. So you've got all of your intervals on a separate envelope. Uh, you then give the students a couple of bits of paper each. Um, I say you want a decent number of data values. So if you've got a small class, two or three each, if you've got a larger class, one might be sufficient. Um, and you ask them to write down any number in your entire range. So you may have gone from zero to 100, and you may have gone from zero to 50. I would um, encourage them not to go for integers um, and just get them to write them down. And then they come and put them on top of the correct envelope. 
So you collect all the students' data values in, in the correct groups. Uh, then you um, get students. So I just give the envelope and the pile of numbers to a student and just go count how many there are. So if you've got seven in your zero less, zero less than or equal to X, less than or equal less than 10 pile, they put the 10 bits, seven bits of paper inside the envelope and then write seven on the front of it. Okay. And so then you've got all your envelopes and you seal the envelopes. So now you've got all of your data values that everyone's written in the class in grouped, uh, grouped envelopes and you don't know what the numbers are. So once we got to that stage, we blue tack them all on the board. And I love it so, at this stage. Sorry to carry on. I just love the yeah. fact that at this stage, like it's really making concrete that idea that we don't know what the values are between the groups. And that's something that I've really struggled with in the past. We've got these 10 values or seven values, but we don't know what they are. And I think this envelope task really makes that concrete. really nice that. So now I've got my, my 10 envelopes that are sealed. Um, and I blue tap them on the board. Um, I mean, I used to go horizontally, so actually it looked a bit like your this, the table C on the previous slide, um, but you could go vertically. And I basically get my whiteboard pen out and I draw my, start to draw my group frequency table with those as my groups down my first column. Um, and then we have a discussion as to how we could estimate the mean of all of the numbers that they've written down without opening the envelopes. And so we talk about, well, what, what are you going to, assume for your zero less than or equal to x less than 10 and um, when they often they'll come up with all oh, actually let's just go for five um, and then so you get the midpoint out and then you get the fact that you can multiply to get an approximation for what the total is in the envelope you do all your calculation calculate your estimate for the mean um, and then the best bit is at the end you can dish out the envelopes to the students and get them to open them and total just what's in their envelope you can get the overall total and you can see how close your estimate is. Um, and, you, you know, you're, you're going to be a couple off. But then that also reinforces that you've just got an estimate for the mean rather than the actual mean. Yeah. And when Johnny said that you had a, a good idea, uh, I, I knew it would be good, but I didn't realize it would be so good. Um, so the slide four on the accompanying slide deck uh, is a screenshot of the blog that you've written about this. Am I calling it a blog? Yeah, yeah I can call it a blog. Yeah. Fine. And then <laughs> if people were to click that, it would take them directly to that. Mm -hmm. It is amazing. I when when the first time I told uh, Karen taught me through this task, I'm, I'm definitely doing it the next time I try it. So I tried it. I didn't go to the effort, sorry, Karen, of actually getting the envelopes. So I just told all the kids to just pick a number between one and a hundred. And in hindsight, doing that with a group of year nines is not great because virtually all of the year nines chose 69 as their number. So as you'd expect a group of year nines to do. So my data was massively skewed. So if you are going to do this, maybe limit your numbers between one and 50 or something. Um, but yeah, but other than that, it pulled out this idea of estimating means perfectly. Then it pulled out the natural need to use the midpoint as well. It, all those things just become become necessary when you do it in, in, in Karen's way, the, the way that she's described her task. So um, yeah, I highly recommend it. Maybe stick between zero and 50 now. Yeah, I've absolutely got a new teach phase. <coughs> And as we transition out of the teach phase, we're looking for people's to do, and that's coming up next. Now that we've talked about the teach phase, let's look at do. This phase of the learning episode is all about people's replicating what they've been shown. In most cases, this is likely to be a procedure which leads to a solution 
and complements the teach phase by allowing pupils to develop confidence and fluency in working with the new procedure. The teacher is responsive to pupil responses, and the aim of this stage is for pupils to be successful in replicating the novel idea. So Karen, what's the best way to go about this? So I would always, at this point, uh, use a worked example and some self-explanation prompts. So uh, on slide five, um, you will see a fully worked through example uh, and some questions to go with it. So having already done the envelope lesson, um, I'm now giving them a full worked example, how I would expect them to lay it out in their books. And then some questions about that example to check their understanding and to just push them a little bit further. Um, So checking they recall why it's an estimate and not the exact mean looking at the misconception of dividing by the number of rows rather than dividing by the total frequency. And then a question at the end, which looks at if you add one more data value that is uh, higher than the mean, does it increase the mean or decrease the mean or make no difference? So if they can just stretch them a bit, thinking about what happens if you just add one more data value. Um, And then I would move on to a selection of your 10 questions. And Dave, you've got that to share yeah so on slide six uh once i'm sure that pupils can replicate this new idea i want them to develop fluency with it so on slide six you've got a set of minimally different questions and i think that this actually does it it drills a bit deeper than just a a standard textbook exercise because we can see that um the frequencies double between a and b and maybe the pupils expect that that means that the mean's going to double whereas in actuality the mean stays the same our estimate stays the same and that's a bit of a cognitive shock for them uh, I do I do like the minimally different questions, don't I, Johnny? Yeah, I mean, you do. But, um, no, that's great, that, because when I first glanced at it for the first second, yeah, for a split second, you think, oh, the mean's just going to double. And, like, if I'm thinking it as, as a maths teacher, even only for a few seconds, you can guarantee a lot of the kids in, in your class are going to assume that it doubles. So that's a, that's a great question to show why it doesn't double, yeah. Yeah. Now, having worked through these teach and do phases, it's worth mentioning that learning hasn't yet occurred and pupils have developed fluency, so we're now going to segue into the practice phase so that they can build stronger connections within their schema. In the practice phase, pupils move beyond simply performing, and it's quite common that a maths lesson doesn't get this far. People tend to perform with a new idea, but don't form connections between the novel idea and their existing schema, and this affects retention. Pupils are now fluent with the process, so we're directing their attention to underlying structures, relationships, and principles, bringing about strong connections with prior knowledge. We're looking for a well-structured and intelligently designed that will aid pupils in forming links. So, Johnny, on side seven, what have you got for us? Okay, so I've chosen one of my MathPot resources here for this one. And when you load it up, um, it starts off with your basic question um, of just find find the mean from the group frequency table. Um, But then you can hide cells and reveal reveal cells to focus your practice a little bit. So if you want some deliberate practice on on finding the midpoint, um, highlight everything else, show everything else, and just focus on the midpoints. Or if you want to drill down on, on some harder questions, which maybe involves some, some algebra, maybe give them what the frequency time the midpoint is and then hide some of the frequencies or reveal the mean and they have to find a missing frequency and things like that. And depending on which cells you reveal, you can really make these questions uh, quite challenging. 
Uh, so I, I quite often maybe just hit the random button on that resource, see, see what it throws at me, and then um, sort of hide and hide hide or view a, a couple of other cells to make the question workable. Nice. And Karen, you you brought forward a, a Don Stewart activity that I've included on slide eight. Um, do you want to yes. talk us through why why you like that so much? Yeah, so this one's, um, it's about tomato plants and you get given um, all the original data, but then as it works through the activity, it gets you to group them differently and then calculate the estimate for the mean. So you're looking at how sort of increasing the size of your groups might change the estimate for your mean. So although you're doing the calculation on the same set of data a couple of times, um, you actually, you're working with different groups. So there are different calculations going on. And there's also some discussion there about group sizes, which is quite nice in terms of just looking at the statistics behind it. I'd say that that isn't very, very common within the, the normal classroom in the country in that, you know, we're not looking at different size intervals, but just giving them frequency tables and hoping that they're going to work with it. And so that's a really nice activity. Johnny, anything to add? No, I was just going to say, I, I, I've seen this, but I've never actually done it in a class before. Because as you do, your browse done, just as like people just browse a newspaper, just flicking through. And I, I just think it's a great I, idea. I've never actually done it, but yeah, you'd expect as you increase the, the, the group size, the estimate deteriorates a little bit. And I would be interested to see what the actual results for this, for this task are. It's one of those tasks that you kind of just want to actually do and see what the answer is a little bit. Yeah, and after pupils have developed this deeper understanding, assimilating this idea into their schema, we're going to look at them behaving mathematically, and we look at that next. In order to make mathematicians, this phase is the most important of all. We deepen understanding through behaving mathematically, and when behaving mathematically, maturation matters. In the behave phase, tasks are chosen from well-embedded and mature ideas that connect to the novel idea. A good rule of thumb is that this kind of maturation takes two years, so we're looking for pupils to transition from specialising to conjecturing and generalising through to analysing and reasoning with a related idea from about two stages previous. Unfortunately, we suspect that the behave phase is often cut short or is missing entirely as teachers feel pressure to cover the scheme of learning. Now, for estimating the mean of group data, I've put together a task on slide nine using some images from, from Johnny's task booklet. Uh, just where I've taken the images of, of, of dice, which have been put in a pattern because they look beautiful. And the question just asks, which pattern's dottier? Johnny, you said that you, you do something with this normally? Yeah, like I often go with like um, which dice, which which color dice has the most spots or something, or something along those lines. But essentially, it's something that you can do in year seven, first day in year seven, and you just get them counting up the spots, and then they're loving it. And then you point them towards efficient ways of counting the spots. So that one on the right hand side, I use I use really often because there's a really quick way of counting all the spots in this dice. And then two years later down the line is when we, when we, when I taught mean from group data, I brought back the same image. Then I just said, okay, what's the average? What's the average number of spots? So it's the same. It's the same maths kind of thing. But now, now we're looking at averages rather than just totaling up all the spots. Uh, so it's just linking those two ideas together, and it, and it tends to work out uh, really well. And it is because it's such a nice visual, colourful image that you can't help but want to count all the dots. And Karen, you you sent me the um, the, the the task or well, the image for the task that's on slide slide ten. You you had a, a different course in mind for this one. 
Yeah, so I was I was looking through what I'd done with the GCSE statistics uh, students I teach, um, and I found this picture, and just I'd written across the bottom, estimate the mean score, um, and I just thought once you've visited histograms, it's quite a nice way to go back and turn a histogram into a group frequency table, and then be able to find the mean from that. Um, so it sort of just pulls together everything and, and gives you a chance to behave with some maths that you've already done. Yeah, something that you probably wouldn't normally do with a with a histogram in a histogram lesson. You're probably not looking for the mean. You're looking for frequencies. But but surely we should be extending this for all pupils to be able to to have this well rounded understanding of of what maths is and how it all connects together. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I'd like to um, add on to that quite often because that that grouped the idea of a grouped piece of data. There's so much maths you can do with that. Like quite often, I'll just start a lesson like a, re a revision lesson in year 11 and just put a piece of group data on, in the middle of the board and say, well, what's all the things you can do with group data? One of them's find the, an estimate of the mean. One of them's draw a histogram. What's the other things you can do from it? You can draw your... Um, we did cumulative frequency tables. Cumulative frequency table. And there's, uh, you can just draw a normal frequency polygon as well from it, I think, as well. And is there anything else I'm missing? But there's a whole load of things you can do just from group data once you've learned all this extra maths. That's the end of this episode of Teaching Together. Remember that you can access the entire curriculum for free at completemaths.com. That's over 1,800 objectives from early counting to calculus. We hope that you've taken a lot from this episode. And if you have any questions, comments or thoughts, don't hesitate to get in touch on Twitter. My handle is at TaylorDear01. And mine's at StudyMaths. And mine's at Karen S. Hancock. Or you can get in touch with the Complete Maths team on at Ed. We're also available on email. I'm Dave at CompleteMaths.com. And I'm Johnny at CompleteMaths.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to pass the pod to both colleagues and friends so that we can all improve our... Teaching together. Until next time, take care.